This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Alrighty, folks, 646 here on this Friday evening. A little late happy hour with JJ John Jastrzemski. We're right here on the fan. We're welcoming in one of my favorites. He is the host of our Football Sunday show with the Moose. He's a two-time Super Bowl champ, and he's just a flat-out legend. My main man, David Deal. What's up, Dave? What's happening, brother? Everything's going great, JJ. Happy Friday, my man, and happy uh, Halloween a day early. You going as anything special tomorrow? No, I wish, man. I, I uh, wish. You know, about, normal, last year about... I threw a Halloween party, Dave. This year, forget about it. <laughs> it stinks. I'm thinking about dressing up as Victor Espinosa, the American Pharaoh jockey. I like that. You, you'd fit in those pants, okay? I don't think you'd have a problem with that. You're working out. You're keeping it tight. That a boy. Dave, That's let's get right. right to it here, bro. Uh, Giants, they've played hard. I like what I've seen from the head coach, but it's obvious the talent is just not where it needs to be. They continue to find ways to lose. What's got to change? I know that seems like such a loaded question, but how yeah. did the Giants go from being a team that plays all of these close games, but, you know, it's close but no cigar? How did they get over the hump to be a team that's actually, dare I say, winning these games? Well, obviously, number one, like you said, they've got to find ways to finish football games. You know, it's been, it's been great to see the progress out of this Giants football team. I think that's something that we all were looking forward to. We knew that this wasn't a playoff caliber team just yet. But what were we looking for? Strides in the defense, strides in the offense, and some plays on special teams. We've seen that, but we haven't seen that collectively come together, all three units as one team. That's something that you need to do moving forward, and that's something that this team will do as they get battle-tested going through this experience of a first-year head coach coming in with a new scheme offensively, new scheme defensively, and without an offseason. And I know that you know, a lot of times people use that as a clutch. Well, the offseason, everybody's at the same, you know, playing field. But when you're bringing in a completely different scheme, new offensive linemen, you're trying to get your quarterback settled into it, you know, that's a difficult transition. And, you know, you, that's something that I know the Miami Dolphins are going to deal with now with Tua uh, taking over as the starting quarterback. So I think that that's something that we've seen positively out of Joe Judge. I think it's great when you have wins and opportunities like they've had, like the Washington football team, where they won that game based upon preparation before the game, going over two-point conversions, not leaving a stone unturned. 
those things will bode well for them in the future. But like you said, it is frustrating when you sit here and you think about their season. And outside of the Pittsburgh game and the Steelers, or the Pittsburgh Steelers game and the 49ers game, they were two, three, four plays away from being in a different atmosphere than they are right now in a wide open NFC East. Dave, let's get to the offensive line, something you know very, very well. Yeah. Andrew Thomas has been an absolute mess. I mean, he got owned last week by the Philadelphia Eagles. And look, he's a rookie player. I know there are going to be growing pains. But like on a scale 1 to 10, how concerned should Giant fans be considering, you know, he's a first-round pick. They said he was the most pro-ready of the tackles. And he's been an absolute turnstile. You know, that's one thing that's, that's easy to talk about. You know, I don't think Andrew Thomas is a bust. I don't think that he's a wasted draft pick. Obviously, he is a very athletic, big tackle. But the things that he needs to work on, just like any offensive lineman, once again, translating from the college game to the pro game, where the offseason does mean a lot to that player, tying your hands and feet together. You're punching your feet without giving overextended by bending at your hips instead of bending at your knees and ankles. That's something that he's going to have to work on. He's going to have to work on making sure that when he sets, regardless of where he's trying to get, whether it's a jump set or whether he's kicking three, five, seven, that he's got to stay inside out. He can't give an inside rush to a defensive end or give him a two-way go. You've got to restart. You've got to redirect him, and you've got to force him to the outside because a lot of times we said, if you get beat inside at the tackle position, it's over for you. But if that defensive end is rushing outside, at least you could ride the bull for two seconds and run him by to give the quarterback at least a chance to throw it. So do I think that this is a alarming sound off to all Giants fans that Andrew Thomas is going to be a bad tackle? Absolutely not. I think he does need work. He needs refinement in techniques and fundamentals. I think he was humbled by not starting in that game because he was late to a meeting. And these are things that are going to move forward for him but do not put him in the same category as Eric Flowers or any of that stuff. Dave, how come Flowers has had so much success? Now, listen, he moved positions, so that obviously is something to take into account. And he worked with the great Bill Callahan, who is like this wizard on the offensive line. But how does Flowers go from being a guy who you thought would be out of football that two years later, bro, he's getting like a $30 million contract with Miami? Yeah. Well, obviously, like you said, Bill Callahan is one of the best O-line coaches in NFL history. That goes uh, without notice with everybody considering that. So that's one thing that they did. Number two, everybody in the NFL was talking about Eric Flowers, J.J., not just Giants fans, everybody. And when that happens, when you're humbled and when you're sent out on the road, you've got a choice to make. Whether you have your back up against the wall, either you start fighting back or you're going to cower. One thing they did that helped him in his career was moved him to the interior to the guard position because that lets him use his size and that ability that he has to constantly grab. You can get away with it a lot more at the guard position. You can't get away with it when you're wide open at the tackle position and the, uh, the line judge is looking right through you. So I think that that aspect of the game, that everything happens inside the pocket at the guard position, happens within your first kick instead of where it's a controlled aggression when you're playing tackle. So I think those are the factors that have led to where he is right now in his NFL career. We got David Deal, the two-time Super Bowl champion for the New York Giants. Now he's killing it for the Football Sunday show with the Moose. He joins us here on the fan. All right, Dave, I get this question all the time from Giant fans. 
Um, they want to know if I believe if Daniel Jones is, you know, a franchise quarterback and can be the guy here for the next eight to ten years. And I got to be honest with you, Dave. I have no idea. I can't say with certainty yes. I can't say with certainty no. I've seen some good things. Throws a nice ball. He's obviously mobile, but he can't be turning the football over one or two times a game. Do you believe from what you've seen out of Jones, and you've watched basically every single snap, that that turnover problem, is that correctable? I think that it is. Obviously, holding two hands on the football is something that every quarterback has to constantly work on. And the fact of knowing what that time is and that clock in your head to get rid of the football, that's something that as a quarterback you cannot let happen. You cannot let a defensive line dictate the tempo of a football game. So when it comes to Daniel Jones and when it comes to any quarterback, we know ball security equals job security at the quarterback position. So my big test for Daniel Jones, and not only for him, but for this offense is, how are they going to look moving forward after this Buccaneers game when now they play the Washington football team coming up for the second time, the Philadelphia Eagles for the second time? And then after that week 11 bye, that's when I'm going to truly be able to sit here and say, okay, they were able to self-scout in the building. They were able to take time right now as a coaching staff offensively and with Jason Garrett to figure out what this offense systematically is not only going to look like for the rest of the 2020 season, but what is it supposed to look like in the 2021 season? Because post by, who are the Giants playing? They'll be at Cincinnati. We know that that's a horrible defense. They'll be at Seattle. That's a defense that we know gives up a lot of points and are struggling to get after the quarterback. And then they have the Arizona Cardinals, which is another defense that we've seen can be up and down. Those games are truly going to be able to tell us whether or not Daniel Jones will make the corrections from earlier in the season, most importantly, the one of ball security and getting rid of the football and not letting a defensive line completely affect the football game. I truly believe once we see those games post by, everybody will be able to understand and make an assessment, not by what people say, but when you turn on film and when you watch and perform. All right, Dave, I wanted to ask you about this because you were a part of a giant team Back in 2004, they had a winning record and made a change at quarterback. You guys were 5-4. and four. You made the switch from Kurt Warner to Eli Manning. And we know what happened long-term. It was a brilliant decision by Ernie Accorsi and Tom Coughlin. Well, now, I, I feel like in some ways, deja vu is kind of repeating itself here because the Dolphins are going from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Tua. Do you see any parallels? Do you see any similarities between your situation with the Giants many moons ago and what happened at quarterback and what the Dolphins are looking to do right now? I absolutely do. I mean, at some point, you know, when you draft a first-round quarterback, they're going to be playing. Here's a nice little stat for you, JJ. Since 2008, 34 quarterbacks have been drafted in the first round. 34. By week one out of those 34, 16 of them have started. That's including this year, Joe Burrow. By week five, 20 of them. That's including Justin Herbert. And if you want to say Tua at week eight, we can put him in there as 26. Only six players out of those 36 didn't start by midpoint. Tim Tebow, Jake Locker, Johnny Manziel, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. Only two quarterbacks redshirted and three if you add in Jordan Love, Jake Locker, Patrick Mahomes. 
When you draft a first-round quarterback, they are playing their first season, regardless of how that quarterback before him is playing or not. You know that there is going to be a transition and a change of the guard, especially when a lot of teams that are picking quarterbacks are picking quarterbacks because they're not good football teams. So I think now when it comes to this transition to Tua, they've seen enough in practice to know what type of athlete that he is, how they can systematically change this offense to fit his needs. And moreover, they see what happens in the locker room when they're seeing this quarterback thrive. It's no different than what happened with Eli Manning. Eli Manning, in the beginning, we're bringing in a new offense. We're changing all of our wide receivers. It didn't look pretty in the beginning, but as practices went along, as that season progressed, Eli started tearing up our defense. Two-minute drills, blitz periods. Now, all of a sudden, you're seeing that glimmer and that glitz that Ernie, of course, he saw at him of Ole Miss. We knew it was the proper time to do it when they made the switch to Eli Manning. Was it seamless? Was it easy? Absolutely not. There was a transition period, whether it was us as an offensive line. Where does he like to set up? Does he like to step up into the pocket? Does he drift left or right? How does he like to call plays, and what is his cadence going to be like? The wide receiver position, what's his timing? Where is he going to get the ball? What routes does he like for us to run? What are the calls that he likes to check to? Those are all things that you have to learn on the field that you can't learn as a quarterback standing on the sidelines. It takes repetition and it takes experience. And I said this last week, the Moose on our show, in 2004, we played at Baltimore. Practice all week for that defense. And, I mean, you're talking about Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. These guys are a stud defense. We prepare all week for things that we saw on film. They came out in a completely different 3-4 hybrid that we didn't see a single play of on film. On our first third down, Eli's calling out, 52's the, 52's the mic. Ed Reed's walking up. No, 20's the mic. 20's the mic. Ray Lewis is going, 52 on the mic, on the mic. And they're going, look at him. He's all messed up. He's all messed up. They're saying this in between the snap count while Eli's under center. That's the type of confusion that they caused, knowing that we were going up against a, a rookie quarterback. How were we able to adjust from that? We were able to move to things like five-down base, calling out numbers, doing things in practice, so that the next time we saw something like that, we could easily make the adjustment, whether it was protection-wise, play call-wise. Eli will never be able to get that experience again if he wasn't out there playing in that Ravens game. What do you know? It came back up in 05 when we played the Steelers. They did the same thing, but we were able to communicate and pick it up because we did it the year before. If he didn't have that experience the year before, we're not winning that football game. Dave, real quick, and appreciate the time. Um, when it comes to veterans being in that locker room, though, you guys in 2004, the Dolphins now moving forward, would you be worried about that at all if you're Brian Forrest? Was there any concern with that when you were within the year of Giants making that switch? No, I don't think that there's any concern. Number one, when you heard Kurt Warner and Ryan Fitzpatrick about, talk about this, both Coach Coughlin and Brian Flores told them what was going to take place this upcoming season. So it wasn't a surprise to either one of those veteran quarterbacks, and it's not a surprise to your football team. We've been hearing tank for Tua for over a year and a half, J.J. Everybody knew that this was going to happen. And as I said, when this change took place, you know, a lot of the players were upset that they heard about it from the media, not from the head coach. 
And I think it says a lot about Brian Flores taking accountability and apologizing to his team like that. It says a lot about him as a man and as a coach of being a, a true leader of a football team. But also, you heard from all the players in that Dolphins locker room talk about what they saw out of Tua during practice, during those blitz periods, his ability to escape the rush, use his athleticism to get outside of the pocket and make plays with his legs. Those are things that Ryan Fitzpatrick physically can't do, and those are things that help the defensive side of the ball. So I do think that they're full on board because they knew that this was going to happen, and they knew that this gives them the best opportunity to win football games moving forward. How good is that? A guy was on that giant team when they made the switch. Similar switch. One can only hope my team and my quarterback will have the same results, bro, as your team and your quarterback. Love you, Dave. Thank you so much for the time. And keep rocking, bro. I can't wait to see a picture of you on Halloween, man. I'm ready for it. <laughs> Anytime, JJ. Have a great weekend, and thanks for having me, buddy. There you have it. That's the best. David Deal, two-time Super Bowl champ with the Giants. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 